I thought this was the group for the young kids. It is. What are you doing here? <laughs> Funny. <laughs> All right. Um, why don't we just uh, open up with a word of prayer as we uh, before we begin our workshop? Lord, we just want to commit this time into your hands. We thank you so much, Lord, that you have spoken to us already through uh, the fellowship times, through the message times. We just pray, Lord, that you will continue to speak your word even during this time. Lord, help us to be able to learn, indeed, how to be rooted and built up, even as we live amidst all the pressures of this world and learning how to manage our time. We, Lord, we just pray that uh, you would uh, speak to us even today in a very practical way, in a way that, Lord, is, is a way that, is, uh, well, that will help us, Lord, to be able to be rooted and built up. We just commit ourselves into your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So... We do have, um, our workshop today is called Being Rooted and Built Up Amidst the Pressures of the World Time Management. Actually, not very sure what that, exact, what that means, um, with that slash, but we felt that we wanted to concentrate a little bit on this matter of redeeming the time. It's quite interesting because uh, here in Flushing, um, the Lord seems to be speaking to us on this matter of redeeming our time. Uh, the Lord has used the message uh, time to do that. In New Jersey, we have a home fellowship. It was quite amazing in that one Saturday at New Jersey, we had a home fellowship and we talked about wisdom. And wisdom, somehow, we uh, started talking about this manner of redeeming our time and counting our days. The very next day, our brother here shared on the exact same verses and on the exact same topic. So we do believe it is a timely topic, and hopefully we can learn uh, some stuff together. We're not here to uh, teach you on a you know a how-to basis. We really want to be able to kind of express some certain principles, use some examples. Uh, from real life people as well as the Bible, and then hopefully we can all learn together how to redeem our time. If we could, let's turn to Ephesians 5, 15, and 17. If anybody uh, gets to that verse, if you could read it for us, that would be great. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. Anybody got it? I do, but I have a Darby. Oh, Darby is fine. Go ahead. <laughs> Darby still the Bible? <laughs> oh, uh, verse 15. Yes. It doesn't say? Therefore, be careful how you walk. All right, go ahead. Wait, so verse what? 15 through 17. Be very careful then how you live, not as a wise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord is Okay. <clears throat> All right. So, this is the verse. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise. Here, I've, instead of, most translations actually use the word redeeming the time. The New American Standard Bible uses making the most of your time, because the days are evil. So then, do not be foolish, 
but understand what the will of the Lord is. All right, one more verse uh, before we delve into this. Psalm 90, verse 12. Somebody finds that, if you can read it. Very good. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom or acquire a wise heart. <clears throat> well, if we look at this verse, aside from what I highlighted here, making the most of your time, it does say, why do we need to make the most of our time? Why does it? Why do we need to make most of our time? Because what? Because the days are evil. What does that mean? What does because the days of e are evil mean to you guys? Don't be shy. Go ahead, Jenna. What does that mean? Because the days are evil. What do you think? Right off the bat. return is coming soon and there will be false teachings, false teachers is what she said. Everybody could hear her or no? Yeah? Okay. What else? Because the days are evil. What does that mean? Let me ask you this. Who is um, this world under subjection to? Satan? Yes. Satan. Satan, or also known as the evil one. So he is, so this whole world is under the evil one. And the enemy doesn't want you to have any time, even especially in these end times, devoted to the Lord. Right? I mean, he will do anything he can to keep you from devoting yourselves to the world, to the Lord. Does that remind you of uh, a story in the Old Testament? Was there another one who was somewhat in rulership, who kept a people from worshiping their God? Pharaoh. Pharaoh? Very nice. Pharaoh. What, what did Pharaoh do? What did Pharaoh do? Yes? He kept them as slaves. He kept them as slaves. And what else did he do, though? What did he do to keep them from being able to worship the Lord? Yes? Not letting them leave? I guess they made them work even harder to keep busy. Yes. So that's what... Did you hear what she said? Jen, did you hear what she said? No? Can you speak up a little louder? Or? Um, the Pharaoh kept them to work hard, so it would keep them busy. So the Pharaoh made them work so much harder. They were busy toiling and working, and thus did not have time to serve the Lord. Now, does that remind you of possibly what we're going through in today's day and age. Right? I mean, today's day and age, with all the hustle and bustle, with all the different things that are happening. Now, you guys are a younger age, so you guys probably don't really care much or are really concerned about work and employment and the financial tsunami and all these, you know, Wall Street terms. But you have your own 
pressures. You have your own things, I believe, that will keep you, or have been keep you, has been keeping you from serving the Lord. Um, we're going to address that a little bit uh, shortly. So, I do think one of the things, and, and this is a personal by the way, my name is Ezra, and this is my wife, Helen. This is a personal Ezra commentary. And that is, I do believe that you guys today are growing up in a very privileged way. Um, with all the amenities that you have, or that we have, here in the United States, the freedom that we have um, of worship, the fact that most of us sitting here probably have a roof over their head, right? Whereas if you really think about many other places in the world where you think about the poverty that's there or the difficulties that happen, Africa, for example, we, we refurbish laptops, right? One of the, the, the charities, well-known charities, we take laptops that we don't want anymore, and then we send it over to Africa, and it's their first computer. So we live in a very privileged uh, society today. And I, I think that that makes it very difficult for us to serve the Lord. I actually think it's an impediment, or it's something that's difficult, an obstacle, for us to be able to serve the Lord. Because we have so many things here in the United States that is competing for our time. There are many things that, if you think about it, in your day today, how many things are trying to grab and steal your time? Can you guys think of anything? What do you do in a day that really takes your time away? Yep. Sports. Sports, yeah. Eat. What? Facebook. Okay, that's good. That's very specific. Yes, Facebook. What else? Hang around on your computer. Hang around on your computer. What else? Your friends. Your friends. Okay. Yep. Homework. Homework. Yeah. All right. Yes. Watching TV. Watching TV. Now that's a big one. Watching TV. Yes. Eating. Eating. Okay. Yes, that's a necessity of life. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yep. Sleeping, eating, and sleeping. Those, those take a, a lot of time. Yeah? Yes. Music? Music, very well. You know, a lot of other places, for example, Facebook. You just mentioned Facebook. Right? There's 600 million users of Facebook today. How many, how, how many, how much time do you think you spend on Facebook? What did, who said that? You love, how much time do you spend on Facebook? <laughs> Three what? A day? Three hours a day. <laughs> Spit out the day. But that's during the day, huh? Three hours. Anybody beat her? Three hours a day on Facebook? Oh, okay. You guys spend... Wow. Oh, wow. So, so we got a couple people do th over three hours a day on Facebook alone. Yes. Yes, okay, very good. So there's the phenomena that we have today of called multitasking. 
So we'll have Facebook open, we'll have the TV on, we'll be surfing the internet, multitasking. I'll get a little bit into that. I mean, you, you won't believe it, but 11 hours, almost 11 hours a day is spent on multitasking in media. Now, I will tell you this. What's your name, Miss Three-Hour Facebook Girl? <laughs> what? Jess. Jess, okay. She was eating something, I guess. <laughs> so Jess spends over three hours a day. Uh, Emily seemed like she was spending over three hours a day, right? Okay, so, you know, that's actually well over the average of the U.S. In the U.S., uh, the average use of Facebook is about seven hours a month. So you almost think that that's too little, right? That's kind of what? Very hard to believe. That's very hard to believe? Yes. But these are, interestingly enough, it's teenagers. Now, I will tell you this. The data I have is a year old, so I am I am not uh, I would not be surprised if indeed uh, people spend a lot more time on Facebook nowadays. But anyway, so as you can see, just by your responses, there are many things that are competing for our time. There are many things that are taking up our time, and here Paul is exhorting us. He's encouraging us. We need to make most of our time. Because the days are evil. There are things that are going to try to take away of your time of serving the Lord. And not only that, it says, don't be foolish. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Okay, that's going to be very important. Helen's going to talk a little bit about that a, a little later. Moses, who wrote Psalm 90, had a prayer and said, Lord, he knew how many days we lived, right? What did he say? Normally we could live how many years? Yep. 70? If we're strong, we can live how many? 80. 80. But then, why in the world, two verses later, does he say, Lord, teach us to number our days? Are we going to say that his wasn't a very good mathematician? He couldn't add? No. He says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. When we start numbering our days is when we are able to redeem our time. We are able to make use most of our time. So, Another translation here is redeeming the time. I just wanted to kind of point out the two different uh, translations. Making the most of your time, redeeming the time. Making the most of your time has the, 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 the impression or the thought of fully using your time. Redeeming the time, oops, redeeming the time is a matter of Taking back that which is lost. Okay. So as this morning when we were um, singing uh, right before Lucia went and shared, a song that was chosen was this song. I Will Not Be Shaken, I believe is what it's called. So I was looking at this verse. I saw a couple of you guys stand up and sing it. Uh, one of the oldest guys in this room stood up and sang it as well. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> the only one with gray hair in here. Um, you know, I'm, I was I was supposed to take I was going to take some uh, you know some uh, polls here, but you know that kind of really elevates the age level here. But anyways, 
I will declare my choice to the nations. <laughs> I will shout for joy to the congregation. I will worship God, worship God, all my days. Those who love the Lord are satisfied. Those who trust in Him are justified. I will serve my God, serve my God all my days. So, who sang this song this morning? Raise your hand, please. You did sing it, right? Okay, some of most of you did. So if you did sing it, did you mean it? When you sang this song this morning, while you were singing this song, it says, I will serve my God, serve my God all my days. It didn't say once a day. It didn't say ten minutes a day. It didn't say partial days. It says all my days I'm to serve my God. You sang it. Are you serving God all your days? Hmm. No need to answer, but I, I just wanted you guys to think about that. There are many songs that we sing that speak of us worshiping, serving Him. Are we really doing that? And I just got, it just caught my attention of all my days. Think about that. Are you serving your God all the days as you sing this song? Well, <clears throat> we talked about so many things that steal our time, right? So many things that are fighting for our time and trying to get our time. Well, so we mentioned most of the stuff. We talked about computers. We talked about TV. Now, we didn't talk about video games. None of you guys play video games? You do? You do? Very nice. Who here has a video console game at home? Xbox. Oh, this is pretty good. This is pretty good. You know, 60% of the U.S. households have a video game console. That's about right here. Um, how about a cell phone? Nobody mentioned cell phone. I'm so surprised. Who has cell phones? Who, who owns a cell phone? Uh-huh. Okay. 66% of teens today own a cell phone. You know, the funny thing about that, though, is... 66% of you guys own cell phones. However, out of the usage of cell phones, you spend more time texting, more time looking up uh, little clips of video than actually speaking on the cell phone. Teens in the U.S. spend 33 minutes talking on their cell phone a day, but 48 minutes texting and watching different clips. Don't know why you have a cell phone. But anyways, so we talked about TV. We talked about music. These are all the different things that try to grab our attention. I want to focus strictly on media today. We talked about sports, right? I think Bethel mentioned sports. Well, that is a big thing. She mentioned homework. That's a good thing. But I want to talk to you about media because there is definitely some... Interesting things to point out here. Did you know that in the past five years, media, and again, media talks about television, music, computers, video games, even uh, newspapers and all that. The media per day that the teenagers, that is, teenagers in that age group, which is really your group here, you guys spent about 7 hours and 38 minutes a day on media alone. 
I mentioned to you before that if you actually calculate the fact that you guys multitask, that you have, you surf the net, you surf the net and then you also uh, watch TV and you do different things at the same time, that adds up to 10 min, 10, over 10 hours of media content that you absorb every day. <clears throat> the biggest thing that we have here, did, did you know that seven hours and, uh, what was it, seven hours and 38 minutes is almost as much as your parents work in a day? <laughs> eight hours is normally the norm of people that, that work is about eight hours. But did you know the funny thing is, most parents work five days. Seven hours and 38 minutes is for seven days. So, you, so teenagers today spend more time on media than what their parents even work. I mean, that's an, a, a phenomenal... And that number keeps growing and growing. Four and a half hours is spent on watching TV. Two and a half hours spent on listening to music. Computers, an hour and a half. I do think that... I, I do believe if we were to take a poll today, that computers is probably a lot higher than that right now. Now, remember, this computer here does not include doing homework or housework. So this is purely just outside of homework. Video games, an hour and 13 minutes. Uh, Bethel, how much time do you play on your, uh, your, your Xbox? Um, a day? It depends. Uh, three hours, maybe? A day? Possibly. Possibly. Three, two hours. Three, two hours. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. So if you take a look at that, we have a lot of time that we spend on media. Uh, does anybody really watch over four hours of TV a day? No. No? Zero TV. No, okay. Okay, what? Your mom blocked cable. Oh, okay. So hold on. So hold on. So that's a good point. You mentioned your mom blocked cable. So this number drops, on, drops down dramatically if there's parent, parental uh, intervention. So if parents say, hey, no TV, it drops down by three hours. So only an hour and a half of watching TV. But this watching TV also has a phenomena of you can now watch it on your little devices. You can watch it on your cell phone. You can watch it on your Blackberries, your iPod, right? You can watch TV now. So that number is all inclusive in that. So not just basically the main TV. How many TVs do you have at home? Four. Three, four. The average is three, you know. The average is actually three TVs in every household. How many TVs do you have at, in your bedroom? None. Who has a TV in their bedroom? TV for homework? Oh, that's a very good excuse. Your dad bought that? <laughs> That's interesting because 33% of households now have kids who have TVs in their, home, in their bedroom. Anyways, this is a lot of time spent. Maybe it's not you. Well, it sounds like, though, a lot of you guys spend more time than this on different aspects. Maybe a TV isn't as much. The Internet. Well, <clears throat> yes. What does, that, what, what does that little F stand for? Facebook. Facebook. And that little T? Twitter. Twitter. Nobody does Twitter? I don't do either. You don't do... Okay. All right. How about, how about YouTube? Anybody want look at YouTube? All the time. 
Okay, so you know, we, because of because of our what we do today, let me ask you this: What's the definition of poking? Poking. Poking. Yes. Okay, so I tried to explain to my lovely wife what poking was. I said, you know, we nowadays, in this generation that we have today, poking no longer is, you know, physically poking somebody. It's, you know, poking somebody on Facebook. I mean, we're redefining our terminology even today. Look how how much Facebook has influenced us. 25% of our time spent on social networking. You know, 9 out of 10 kids your age have signed up to some type of social network uh, site, whether it be Facebook. Who still uses MySpace? <laughs> you do. Okay. So MySpace is an old one. <clears throat> he still uses it. Who, who, who here plays Farmville? Who's played Farmville? Yeah. Ew. Ew. Did you see that? Ew. Ew. Calvin loves Farmville. Okay. But anyways, so you call me out there. Oh, no problem, no problem. <laughs> so, all right. So if we look at that, a lot of things take our time. So, what we as Christians, we as believers, we who have accepted the Lord and wonderfully saved, and the Lord tells us to make most of our time, we have so much of the stuff that is competing for that time. What are we supposed to do? So I think Helen's going to go over a couple of, of principles, I think, that we would like to just point out, use some examples uh, to bring those points home. Uh, not, not to steal her thunder, but we, we're going to talk a little bit about the fact that we need to live a complete and dependent life on the Lord. We need to know and do His will. And we need to respond with our love. So, Helen. Why don't you take it away? Uh, Alright. Can you all see this? So it says, how I can make it without consistent time in the word and prayer. How many would actually say that? Would agree with this statement? Raise your hand. I agree with this statement. I can make it without consistent time in the word and prayer. I can do it. Nobody? Going once? Oh, okay. Two people. Meaning I can survive the day without having a time in the Word and prayer. I can go through a whole day without talking to the Lord. It's okay. I can go through it. No problem. It's like, ooh. I know some of us are, you know, I see this hesitancy like, oh, is that the right answer? Actually, you know, I think we all mentally agree that we shouldn't have this problem. Meaning, we really should have always a quiet time with the Lord, right? A devotion time with the Lord. We know this all the way up here. I'm sure everyone agrees with me. But the fact is, we always have some kind of excuse, I'm, I'm including myself in it, okay? So don't think it's just you. So I'm going to give you this poem on the next one. And it kind of illustrates maybe some of what we're going through today, 
right? It says, I got up early one morning. I rushed right into the day. I had so much to accomplish that I didn't have time to pray. Problems just tumbled about me, and heavier came each task. Why doesn't God help me? I wondered. He answered, you didn't ask. I wanted to see joy and beauty, but the day toiled on, gray and bleak. I wondered why God didn't show me. He said, you didn't seek. I tried to come into God's presence. I used all my keys at the lock. God gently and lovingly chided, my child, you didn't knock. So I woke up this early this morning and paused before entering the day. I had so much to accomplish that I had to take time to pray. You see the difference? Actually, someone gave this to me as a plaque. I think they were trying to send me a message <laughs> personally. But I'm grateful for it because it illustrates something. We have so many excuses why, why we don't go before the Lord. Oh, I'm so busy. I, I just brushed my teeth. I rushed out of the day. i got to get going. I don't have time to talk to the Lord today. No, no, no. But, you know, like I said, back to that, um, um, that statement. Most of us, I think, would mentally disagree with this. But to tell you the truth, our actions actually speak louder than our words, doesn't it? The fact that we don't consistently go to the Lord, we're actually saying, yes, I can make it. I don't need you, Lord. I can make it today without you. That's what we're doing. And unfortunately, you know, I, I think, as I think Lucio mentioned, that that's a practical thing. You know, that, that's crucial to our walk with the Lord. That's crucial being rooted and grounded, to have that life with the Lord. So, the, another thing I want to throw out. How many of you, if you have your devotion time in the morning, are like me? Sometimes this is what I do. I go, Lord, Lord, um... I'm going to commit this whole day to you. Bless me so that I can do whatever I do smoothly today. So in other words, I give the Lord 10% of the time, my whole day, and then ask Him, bless me for 90% of the time that I want to do whatever I want to do. You understand what I'm saying? It's almost like, Lord, I give you this time, but in my devotion time, this whole day is really mine. <laughs> you just bless me, okay? I think much of us, actually, I think a lot of us, maybe we relate to that because we fall into that, you see. And so I think this particular phrase is one of Satan's greatest deception to us. It's a lie, meaning, okay, I'm going to plant that in you. Yes, you can make it through the day. You're self-sufficient. Go ahead. You could go through school, no problem, do your homework, blah, 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 and never spend one time with the Lord. That's Satan's greatest lie. Why? Why would he even plant such a lie? Because he knows if you try to live the Christian life without this, without coming to the source, you know what happens? You have no power. Why? Where does all the power come from? Where's the source? Where's the life? It comes from the Lord, right? Exactly. And then... If we say um, he, makes it, he gets us to do so many things for God even, but we don't have time to seek him. So we don't really know what his will is. Or um, he gets us to operate on our own ideas, meaning I'll do this, 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 and this is my day. I'm planning it out with no input from the Lord. 
So then we get sucked into the wisdom of the world. Whatever the, the world views as important, we kind of adopt it. Like at work, I have to say. You know, I'm very... I can go through the day, and but when I see my coworkers, I don't know, it's like school. When you see your coworkers going like crazy, I'm like, oh, no, i got to keep up with them. It's a competition. <laughs> you know, we get caught up in that. To the point, it's, we forget why we're doing the things we're doing, right? So, yeah, you could go ahead, and you could ignore the Lord the whole day. What happens? What do you think happens? When you do that, what happens? Yes. You feel empty. Now, I feel empty. Yeah, exactly. It's a little bit meaningless. At best, maybe your day is empty, fruitless, but you lived it by yourself, and you lived it for yourself. It's all me, 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 me. You see what I mean? But you know what? The Lord Jesus, when he gave his life to us, when he showered his love to us, what did he expect? What was he hoping to get back? Just uh, people who live their lives without him and say, I don't need you, I'm self-sufficient. No. He's actually, when he gave his life, he was inviting you to spend time with him, inviting you to have that intimate relationship with him. Remember Jesus? How many of you think, what was the one thing he kept saying over and over? Do you remember that phrase he just kept saying over about his father? Could he do anything by himself? The son of God, right? He's all powerful. Of course he can do everything by himself. But what does he say? He's I cannot do nothing of my, of, he says, I can't do anything out of my own initiative unless I see what the father's doing. In other words, everything he did was based on his relationship with the Father. He could have done it, but he didn't. I think so many times, you know, why did the Lord Jesus live 33 and a half years on earth? I always think that. I said, couldn't he just have been born and then die, you know, the, you know, maybe 15 years old, die for us, and then he'd be finished. The redemption's done. Why 33 and a half years? You know, I think more and more to myself, it's because he loved us. He wants to show us, oh, this is the way to walk. This is, I'm sending you an example. You can see the perfect picture of how it is to be that close to somebody, uh, to God. That's what he was doing. So he invites you to be yoked with him. And in the next verse, that's why he said, I think Jesus knew it so well. Can someone read this for me? Want to read it for me? I am the vine, you are the branches, he who abides in me, and I in him, there is much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Without me you can do nothing. It's not something, it's not optional, it's not an um, opinion, it's a fact. And the, I think the earlier we realize that, I think it's better for us. It really is. Um, I'll just give you some examples, you know, how, you know, it's not just in our our devotion time that we have, but it's throughout the day we need to depend on him. I remember in college, right, some of us, you know, we get on fire. We're like, Lord, I'm going to have my devotion time every morning now. I'm convicted. Yes. 
So I told the Lord during my college times, I said, Lord, I'm going to get up every morning and have a quiet time with you. I want to. So, and, and then I thought, well, you know, I, I did stay up late today. I might not be able to get up in the morning. But I said, Lord, I told you I'm going to do it, so you got to help me. I said, Lord, I can't do it. you got to help me. So the next morning, I went to bed, and next morning, I'm lying in bed, and I'm like, oh, it's too early. I had the alarm go off. I just snoozed it. I'm like, oh, too early. Can't get up. Can't get up. I had been lying. My bed was right by a window, right? And there were shutters, you know, window shutters. And I remember that day was amazing. A light beam came through the, the wind, one of the window shutters, right? A light beam came up and shine right in my eyes. And I'm like, oh, right? And then I turn to the left, and it, as if that light beam followed my eyes. And then I turn to the right, and there it was again. And finally, I had to wake up. And you know what? I was like, oh, is that what the Lord was trying to do? He answered my prayer. I'm like, yes, I couldn't do it. And you sent a light beam, a beam of light. <laughs> Boom. Oh, I can't. I had just had to wake up. So, I mean, even in that, you see how gracious the Lord is? We, we say, oh, I can't do it, but he'll do it. The, he's waiting, like in that poem. He's like, you didn't ask. You didn't seek. You didn't knock. He's waiting. Right? And then this other time, here's another one. Um, in college, a lot of things happen in college. It happens today now. But in college, I had this horrible inorganic chemistry teacher. I mean, inorganic chemistry is already difficult as it, not, as it is. But to add a bad teacher, wow, that was just unbearable. And I, I just didn't know. I felt like I was failing because of this, this inorganic teacher. So then I, came, I went to the Lord. I said, Lord, I don't know what to do with this class. I, I have a bad teacher. <laughs> And I'm blaming everything on the teacher. And then the Lord told me, you know what? I put that teacher as your authority. Oh. And then it put in my heart, something happened. I said, you know what? I better start praying for that teacher. Help him to teach right <laughs> so that I can understand. And then it dawned on me even more. I'm like, wait a second. Who do I serve? Oh. God, God created chemistry. Why not go to him for chemistry? Of course, that's the answer. So I went to every night before I went to, to study at Homer. I asked the Lord, Lord, help me to understand this thing that you made. Because I don't. You made this, so you got to teach me. And he did. And he went through a, that particular you know, semester. I went through it. And thank the Lord. You see... My whole point is, it's not just in the quiet time that we depend on Him, but throughout the day, every day. Um, so that's my encouragement to you. I mean, that's something that really um, touched me, and I've been learning still ever since. And the next one is about doing His will, which, which we talked about earlier today. Um, Ezra mentioned it. And... Um, Let's see this other quote. How many of you would actually agree with this statement or have said it yourself? I don't have time to do everything I'm supposed to do. I just don't have time. Yeah, but something like that, right? Close enough, yes. 
I think I say it at least once a day. I don't know. <laughs> it's a lot. Again, um, you know, recently, like two weeks ago, I fell, clumsy me, I fell, and I twisted my elbow to the point that I tore my ligament. I know. Yeah. And then I went to work, and of course, the pressures of this world are just great, right? You have schoolwork. I don't know what your pressures are, whether you have the same thing as me, but I went to work, and immediately, I'm like, I've got to get going. I have an agenda, a to-do list. I've got to get all of this done. And I'm handicapped. I'm like, oh, no. What am I going to do? I started panicking. i got to do this. i got to do that. And finally, the Lord really spoke to me. And he said, wait, 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 Helen. <clears throat> and I'm like, yeah. I'm panicking. He's like, Helen, and remember the example that I set? And I'm like, oh, yeah. You know, the Lord Jesus, no one was busier than the Lord Jesus. Think about it, right? He had three and a half years after he was baptized to accomplish the work of salvation. Three and a half years. And then he had whole villages coming to him. Heal me. Heal me. You know, my brother's sick. Come over here. You know, can you imagine being torn in all different areas of, you know, just torn into pieces because people want you to heal them. you got to go see and visit this person, that person. But he was able at the end to say this, which I think is so amazing. Um, can someone read that for me? That's all. I glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work that you have given me to I have finished the work. But that, what, the finish the work that the disciples wanted or the multitudes were craving for, or what work? What did, what did Jesus say? I have finished the work which, who's you? Yeah. God has given me to do. I think a lot of you have a lot to on your to-do list. I mean, I know my nephew, when he was five or six, his mom went to him and said, clean, his grandfather said to him, Noah, could you help your mom clean, clean the house? He goes, to his grandfather, he looks at him and says, you know, I'm just too busy. This five years old, five or six. I'm like, you're too busy? And he's like, well, I've got violin lessons, piano lessons, soccer, you know, or, you know, his little play soccer thing. I mean, it just went on and on. The list, the to-do to -do list was long, right? But what really comforted me is that day that the Lord has given you. Each day is a day the Lord's giving you. What comforted me was, I don't have to do my, it's not a matter of finishing my to-do list. It's a matter of doing what God wanted you to do that day. That's what counts. That's what redeeming the time means. Meaning, God, you have an agenda. I have an agenda. Which agenda is going to be accomplished for today? I prayed, Lord, show me what you, what's important for today. What do you want me to do? What's today? like for you and that's how you can say with the Lord Jesus I finished the work you have given me to do so um, you know what has the Lord called you to do some of you are in school to be a good student to be what what has he called you to do think about it. you know every day he's given you a task 
How would you even know what he wants you to do if you don't go to him, right? So that's why we said life of dependent, you go to him, then you know what to do his will, right? And lastly, all of this is meaningless. I mean, really meaningless if it's not done with love. So that's our next topic. So here's a quote. Lord of all pots and pans and things, make me a saint by getting meals and washing up the plates. This was a quote by a man named Brother Lawrence. Not our Lawrence. <laughs> Not Lawrence Way. A brother who lived in the 1600s. You know what? He, he, was not, he didn't invent anything. You know, his whole day was just, he, he worked 50, he, you know what he was known for? Working in the kitchen. He was a cook. He worked in the kitchen for 15 years. If you were to first ask him, do you like working in the kitchen? He'd say, no, I don't like it. But he learned to like it. You know why? Because he was cooking for a monastery, a French monastery, meaning it's a place where monks go, and he was cooking for that whole place. But the whole key to why he could be rooted and built up while he was doing, like, washing dishes, I mean, that's like, wow, was because he had these several things that he always said. And I, I, it really touched me, so I'm going to share it with you. Which is, number one, he resolved to make the love of God the end of all his actions. Meaning, why am I doing this? Why am I in, why am I in school? Why am I working? I hope every end of all our actions, just like Brother Lawrence said, could be because I want to love you, God. That's it. I want to live this day so I can love you. No other reason. And then the second one, he said, Don't be wary of doing little things for the love of God, who regards not the greatness of the work, but the love with which it is performed. In other words, it's not how big, oh, did you get an A today, or how big your what you did. He's looking for the love behind it. Love of God. Do you love me? Is this why you did it for me? So, um, he was known, he told somebody that he would pick up a straw on the ground. Very small thing. Just for the love of God. If God asked him to pick up a straw, he'd do it. Just for the love of God. So that was his passion. Um, to the point where, and the last one, he said, believe me, count as lost each day you have not used in loving God. In other words, the day that he didn't feel like he, the day that he sensed he didn't do something for the Lord or out of love of God, he saw it as a loss. Like, oh, that day wasn't redeemed. Oh, I didn't make the most of my opportunity. Oh. It's because of love. Um, so to him, there was no division between my quiet time and the rest of my day. It was one big uh, loving God the whole day. That's what he did. So, I mean, this example to me really um, helped me. And then I'll give it back to you. So... Um I think what 
the driving force between brother by, by, for what Brother Lawrence was able to do and his love for the Lord stemmed from many things. I think one of the things is can be found in First Corinthians six nineteen and twenty. Uh, can somebody read that verse? For me, those two verses for me. First Corinthians six nineteen through twenty. Anybody find that? Yeah, go ahead, Phil. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body, and in your spirit, which are God. Here it talks about the fact, do you not know <clears throat> that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, and that you are not your own? Did you know that you're not your own? No? Yes? Did you know Did you know that you were not your own? No? You didn't know that, huh, Bethel? No. You're not your own. That's what the Bible says. Why is that? Wait. Never mind. Never mind? <laughs> you knew that? I remember now. Now you remember. <laughs> What does it say? For you have what? Been bought with a price. Somebody's paid a dear price for you, and you are not your own. I'll go ahead and just put this on the screen. For the love of Christ constrains us. Um, let me tell you a little story real quick. As I'm probably going to read it, just so I don't miss anything. But Here we have a picture um, and you can see, this is our, one of uh, President Abraham Lincoln, 30 years before he actually became president. He went, and as you know, he was, for those of you who are good history students, he was the president that had a lot to do with the abolishment of slavery, right? So anyway, so this is one of the times he was down in New Orleans. This is a depiction, uh, and among the legendary stories about Abraham Lincoln, now, I don't know if it's corroborated, I don't know if it's folklore, but it says here, among the legendary stories about Abraham Lincoln is the account of his visit to a slave auction. He went to observe, not to participate. He watched the unspeakable indignities of selling and buying human beings. His response was a mixture of disgust, sadness, and outrage. As he watched a young woman was brought to the block, her eyes and body language screaming defiance and hatred. This doesn't look very much like she's hating anybody, but anyways. Um, she had been used and abused by her previous owners and anticipated that would now happen all over again. The bidding began, and to everyone's amazement, Abraham Lincoln offered a bid. As the price went up, so did Lincoln's bids, until the auctioneer declared him the buyer. He paid her price and walked over to where she was being held. All her animosity was focused straight at him. He looked at her and simply said, you're free. Dripping defiance and distrust, she said, free for what? Lincoln answered, free to do anything you want to do. Free to go anywhere you want to go. Her appearance changed as she took in his words and realized he meant what he said. Then he said it again, you are free. Free to go anywhere you want to go. She answered, then I'm going to go with you. 
is this not the story that you and I have gone through? We saw this verse very clearly say, you have been bought with a price. You are not your own. Just like this girl who was bought, supposedly, by Abraham Lincoln, but then set free. You have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. So if you are not your own, who do you belong to? Who? God? Yeah? Do you remember, I don't know, maybe maybe back in Kelvin's day, uh, they used to have sweatshirts that said, right? Do you remember those property of sweatshirts? Do you guys remember those sweatshirts? Something like this. Phillies. Nice. <laughs> Kelvin loves the Phillies. <laughs> or the Eagles. Property of the Eagles. Property of the U.S. Army or Navy. Yankees. Properties. Yeah. Oh, very nice. Very nice. So, I think we all know the answer, right? The answer, of course, is that we are the property of Jesus. I do think that ultimately what Brother Lawrence was able to do the fact that he was able to do all things because of love was a response to the Lord's love. And so what we would like to challenge you guys today is to respond to his love. To respond to the fact that he was the one who purchased you with a great price, his own life. Many times we sing about it. Many times we pray about it. I'd like you to think about it. I'd like you to think who you belong to. I'd like you to think the great price that was paid. I mean, a life was given for you and for me. So if he's to ask you to give up a little bit of your time, if he's going to ask you to maybe spend a little less time on Facebook, maybe spend a little bit less time in sports, is that something you can do? He gave his all. He did all for you. Is that something that you can do? He longs to have 100% of you. He longs to not just have a part of you, but he longs to have 100% of you. How are you going to respond? Um, You guys probably saw this little contraption here, this little pig here. It's more than a pig. It's actually... um, Uh, an iPod player. So I am going to play a song. I want you guys to listen to this song. Oh yeah, nobody can see it. Here's the pig. Anyway, so I want you guys to listen to this song. I want you guys to pay attention to the words. I want to put it on the screen. But I want you guys to think of the words. This is a song by Larnell Harris. Um, I Miss My Time With You. And I do want you guys to really pay attention to the words. So, here we go.
here is for us to be able to really think, even though we are surrounded by so many different things that try to take away our time, think about what the Lord is thinking. Think about the fact that when you spend time outside of Him, when you spend time doing your things for yourself, those are times that He misses. 
those are times that he wants to be with you. And he does miss those times. So, he says here, wanting more than just a part of you. He wants your all. I, I, I hate to use the, 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 the scary word, consecration, because it's always something that it's a big word we're afraid of, or maybe it's used for the end of a conference when we come up and step forward. But you know what? I, don't, I do think that if we are able to consecrate ourselves, to really pour out and give Him our all, that we will, able to be, we, will able to, we will be able to make most of our time. We'll be able to redeem our time. So, I think that's the thought that we'd like to leave with you. Um, maybe we can just end with uh, one or two of you who can pray for us, and then maybe we can ask Kelvin to end the time.